Greetings, rare ones. My name is Joanne, and I started the Rare Birds podcast because I wanted to hear from people like myself who come from emerging markets or the developing world, as we're called, who are entrepreneurial, resourceful, passionate, and energized to take their vision from idea to startup. Each week, you will hear me interview founders and teams from across emerging markets who are in the early stages of building their businesses. From time to time, you will also hear me speak with established ecosystem builders, mentors, investors, and business professionals who share knowledge based on their years of experience. This podcast is for anyone who is interested in hearing from the next wave of change makers across emerging markets, building in various industries from agro to tech to health, beauty, and all in between. This podcast is also for those who have ideas, but they're not entirely sure how to make them a reality. They're looking for inspiration and encouragement. We call ourselves Rare Ones. And if this sounds like you, then welcome to the family. Sit back, relax, and listen in to our always so good conversation. Bye for now. Greetings, rare ones, and welcome to the Rare Birds podcast. And this is your host, Joanne, back with another episode. And today I am joined by my guest, Juliet, who is based in Nigeria. Hello, Juliet, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Joanne. It's nice to be here. It's Thank lovely you. to have lovely, lovely to have you here. So, Juliet, can you tell us? Thank you. Tell us your full name, please. Your full name. I intentionally did not okay. pronounce your name, Juliet, because I didn't want to, <laughs> I didn't want to butcher it. That was intentional. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. My name is Juliet Upabio Archibong. Uh, right. That's an epic name from Cross River State uh, in the south, in the south south region of Nigeria. Okay. Wonderful. And is that where you are now? <laughs> in nigeria i'm currently in lagos lagos is the biggest city in nigeria okay yeah yeah how many people are in lagos juliet what's the number oh oh my lord <laughs> um well we don't really have a an appropriate census number but i would say that there are over there are about 20 million people in lagos in who lagos. are resident in lagos yes Right. But Nigeria as a country has close to 200 million people, right? 200 million. Yes. Currently, yeah. as of 2018, mm -hmm. that's the, the uh, official number. Okay. Largest, most populous country in Africa, largest economy mm -hmm. in Africa. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Powerhouse of that's, Africa. That's correct. That's Nigeria. correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Juliet. So, Juliet, tell us a little bit about about you and you know before we get into the work that you're doing and the topic of the conversation just give us your background mm -hmm. story so we can get to learn a little bit more about you okay um i would say that i'm a serial entrepreneur um i've had different businesses in different sectors however um the overview of everything i do is to um, motivates economic development and I see trade and uh, entrepreneurship as, as the tool to be used for that. Um, 
I'm a certified international trade specialist. Uh, my area of specialization is in uh, international marketing, international market entry, uh, diplomatic studies, uh, bilateral trade exchange, and this sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I, I recently currently uh, went back to practicing as a trade promotions officer. Uh, but before now, uh, for the past 10 years, I have done business in different sectors. In Nigeria, doing a business is, um, it's, it's, I think Nigeria has the largest number of SMEs or business startups in Africa because mm. everyone here is encouraged to do a business. So it's a, it's a, it's a normal thing for you to um, automatically want to run a business here. Yes, I think we all know Nigerians are very enterprising. We know that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I think that's about it. Uh, I'm the first child of three girls, and um, I've always had leadership roles to, to, to play, yeah. so to speak. So, so you yeah, mentioned that that's about it. You mentioned that you're a certified international trade specialist. What exactly is yes. that? How does one get that? Um, well, you could study um, international trade as a degree. You could study international marketing, international business, uh, global business. I think uh, you, get the you get the qualification based on the, the course that you choose to study. Right, in university, I see, okay. Yes. Okay. And then you work towards the certification. Is it similar to like becoming a chartered accountant or becoming a CFA or something like that? Is it? Um, well, there are no, there are really no licensing per se. Uh, well, not that, not not that I'm aware of currently. Mm -hmm. However, you your work is basically in uh, bilateral trade councils, uh, chamber of commerce or the commercial desk of um, a foreign mission or an embassy in, your, in, in, your, in a country. Our job basically is to identify, um, mm -hmm. highlight, uh, develop and package uh, trade opportunities uh, to potential foreign markets. That's mm -hmm. the job of an international trade person. Well, it has different categories as, as well. There are people who handle customs and clearance. There mm -hmm. are people who handle policy and law, mm -hmm. uh, which is a, a, a trade, a export trade policy and law. There are people who only handle import and export facilitation. So mm -hmm. it all has different categories, but I specialize in international marketing. So mm -hmm. I handle um, marketing, positioning, events, promotions. Okay, marketing, events, promotions. Interesting. Now you yes. mentioned that you you're a serial entrepreneur. You've had several businesses. Can you tell us a little bit about the different types of businesses you started? Okay, um, I started off. Well, I think I went to uh, makeup school when I was seventeen, mm. and um, <laughs> it was yeah. it was something I you know it was something I was very interested in. I just come out of high school and. Um, makeup was very new at that time but I somehow I felt in my spirit that it was where I wanted to be so mm. I made a lot of trouble with my family until they finally put me there so <laughs> and then um, 
<laughs> and uh, I, I did work there for about two years. And after that, I started to freelance mm. as a makeup artist. And mm -hmm. um, eventually, I went ahead to establish a proper business structure, um, mm -hmm. a makeup business structure where we offered uh, makeup artist services. Okay. And some time later on, I moved into uh, events properly. So I had the retail store where I was uh, importing fabrics and mm -hmm. fashion accessories um, mm -hmm. into Nigeria. And then I have an event management company because uh, part of my uh, certification, you have to, well, it's not, it's not compulsory, but it's mandatory that you have to do event management. Uh, mm. When you do trade promotions, trade promotions is all events. Yeah. And um, because I, my field is uh, ex experiential marketing, uh, trade positioning, you will do events. So I have an event management company, which I put up here in Nigeria to manage uh, uh, events. Mm -hmm. And um, then I also have a company, which I recently only registered last year, uh, that helps because I realized that even when I speak on uh, foreign trade or even if I have a proper government job in uh, trade promotions, there's still going to be people who the government agencies cannot uh, cater to. So there's still going to be people who want to, who, who would need uh, trade facility, export trade facilitation. Mm. So I set up a company to handle that. So that, that company has uh, a B2B site, which we're putting together. Mm -hmm. uh, which would help, which would help uh, people facilitate trade. Which will also help uh, people in other parts of Africa discover uh, the opportunities, uh, the manufacturing opportunities in Nigeria. Um, mm. We we want to give people an option, uh, an alternative to uh, manufacturing from Asia, because we have quite a lot of, like I said, we have quite a lot of uh, businesses and manufacturing plants here in Nigeria. Right. Uh, if our other African countries can look, especially with the uh, AFCTA trade mm -hmm. agreement, which is in motion, right. other African countries will also want to look into uh, doing business, intra-African business or intra-African trade. Right. Uh, so the, the B2B side is there to uh, position a, a Nigerian manufacturing plants or Nigerian manufacturing companies for business uh, uh, exchange with other African countries. Right, right. Uh, so you mentioned the AFCTA, but Nigeria initially mm. wasn't, too, wasn't too hot on that, was it? <laughs> You've warmed oh, up well, to it, <laughs> right? You, you, know, you know, the truth with us is this. So we're, we're, we're a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Okay. And um, we're... I'm not going to say that we have leaders who sometimes are not visionaries mm. and uh, they, they, they really can't see, but somewhere along the line, I think they figured that, look, this was the next thing. This was even before the COVID-19 pandemic came. So yeah. imagine if we didn't come, you know, get on board that and then this pandemic came. You know, it, it, it will be, we'll be laughing at ourselves now because the world would have gone past us, honestly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The world would really have gone past us. Uh, because now that there's restrictions on travel, restrictions on importation, restrictions mm -hmm. on this and that, it's mm -hmm. more difficult for you to 
bringing stuff. So you, you begin to now look inwards to see how you can uh, uh, develop something for yourself. And sure. that's what the AFTTA is, is trying to um, in, instill that you, we, had the, we have the resources here. So we can develop value chains that begin and end in Africa. Right, right. Which is what it's all about, as opposed to yes, all of your imports are coming in from European countries, from, or China, yes, or exactly. India, or Pakistan, or wherever else, as opposed yeah. to your neighbors next yes. door. Yeah, for sure. That's that's what it is. Right. Good. 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 Okay. So you are here to share with us how startups can position themselves to enter new markets. So. Where do we begin? What do we do? Because nowadays, like, okay, you mentioned, we just mentioned the African Continental Free Trade Agreement. And now that we live in the post-COVID world, which is even more globally connected than before, there are really no mm -hmm. barriers, right? So how do startups position themselves, particularly those in the developing world, to enter these new and exciting markets that are also in the developing world, not necessarily you know, those in the, in the global north, but your neighbors next door around you, etc. cetera. Mm -hmm. hmm. Okay. So, um, hmm. How, where do we start? Where do we, where do we start from? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a, it's a heavy question. From? I guess we could have a yes. scenario. We can have a scenario. Let's say, you know, you're in what kind of, st let's say you, I don't know, you're manufacturing something and you, you want to, mm. you want to enter, like you just mentioned, positioning Nigerian manufacturing companies so they can enter other, other markets. How do they do that? Okay. So I would say this, that there are certain ground rules okay. that apply. This, this is not, there's nothing magical and there's okay. nothing really set in stone. Okay. Um, with promotions or with promotions or with uh, marketing or with sales. There's really nothing set, set in stone. Mm -hmm. There are no, um, it doesn't have to be this way. This way, this way may have worked for product A. It may not work for product B. Right. However, there are certain guiding principles that you want to, or there are certain guiding instruments that have already been put in place. Mm -hmm. So for a brand that wants to go into a new market, Mm -hmm. I would always say, what's your current stand in your local market? I've yeah, met a lot of people who have okay. products mm -hmm. and um, they, they don't even have a presence in their local markets. And then they want to export. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Okay, okay, okay. The way you say it, you'll it's be like, surprised. ah, yeah. Okay. Right. You'll be very, I'm like, when, when they get to me, I'm like, Mm, okay this is new <laughs> what do we do here <laughs> so, so are, they, are you they, saying they essentially you need to saturate your own market first before you start it thinking is about very important that you mm -hmm. establish a proper distribution channel mm. in your local market mm. first of mm -hmm. all in okay. Nigeria, before you export, you go, we, we have some regulatory agencies. One is called the National Food and Drug Law Enforcement Agency, mm -hmm. NAFDAQ. Okay. And uh, before your product can be exported, your product has to go through NAFDAQ first. Mm -hmm. For your product to go through NAFDAQ, um, NAFDAQ Export Dex, it's called the NAFDAQ Export Dex. For your product to go through NAFDAQ Export Dex, you're going to have to uh, go through a process called, you're going to have to obtain a form 
that allows your certificate that allows you uh, export. It, it's going to be, it's called um, free for free sale, certificate of free sale in home country, which means mm -hmm. that your product is, uh, is freely sold in your home country. Mm -hmm. Now, and I'm not saying that uh, there are products that are on the export market that are not in, that are not in, in, um, they're not, they're not saturated in the local market. However, if you want to have a brand that sticks, people buy brand names, people buy, people buy things based on referrals. That's one thing people should understand. And this is why I always insist because people buy things on referral. It's important that you already have a strong distribution a strong presence or a strong market share in your home country mm. or in your local country first mm -hmm. so that by the time it gets to the other side the 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 because i mean when you get on the other side you i don't know what channel you want to use um in distribution you may want to get a franchisee you may want to get um a, a, a wholesaler you may want to get it and and export agent or an import agent which will help uh, distribute these things across all channels ha, you know but it's easier for them when those products already sell sell themselves mm. yeah. it's easier for them Makes you know sense. so uh first so the first things first is that you have to be able to have established a good a decent presence in your home country okay. this is the personal advice i would give mm. uh secondly you want to utilize trade fairs. Uh, people, I see that a lot of people don't like, they don't understand the value of marketing and advertising. You know, mm. they don't see the need to spend uh, money on these things. But the truth is, mm. uh, marketing and advertising are key. The key, um, it's, it's like you take something, I mean, how do people know about your product if you don't advertise it? Mm, yeah. <laughs> so it's important you key you you jump on every advertising opportunity that is out there for you to use it's it's very important that you're able to do that you're able to jump on every advertising opportunity even you know for example trade fairs trade fairs are a very fantastic way for um brands to established presence in a new market okay there are always trade fairs being held in you know the, the market you're trying to enter and it's 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 it will be fantastic for you to perhaps get a stand there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and and uh, position yourself perhaps you'd want to design um an experience uh, uh experience based communication for that day that allows mm. uh, the, you, your customers experience your products you know so this these things are they're not like i said they're not set in stone but these are um, individual guiding principles that just help that right. help at least to an now extent. why why do you believe that a lot of uh startups in general don't like to invest in marketing and advertising why do you think that is uh, I think it's also because that they, they may not have access to the fundings that are required to carry out such activities, mm. um, and sometimes they they feel they they don't. I think they they really don't see the value. But the truth is, advertising you and someone can sell the same product, mm -hmm. but people will know you 
because you have put the product in their face because they have se- they've heard about it they've seen it before compared to someone who you know that's why you see uh, people will say oh i have a better product how come people are not buying from me because they don't know someone else who doesn't have a better product but has spent so much money on advertising mm-hmm. gets their own product out there right you know right. but people i think that startups there's a lot of limitation with perhaps how how to even communicate the value that their brand brings mm-hmm. how to um what strategy to use in advertising what strategy to use in communications in brand communications there may be a lot of limitations in that because i i realize also from um this the, the smes i deal with here some of them have no i absolutely no idea how to advertise but what are advertising channels um, are, uh, work for them? What advertising channels meet their consumer, their target audience? Where are their target audience? So they don't even have a, a, a proper profile of who they're selling to. Right. Now, when it comes to trade fairs, um, how, can, how can startups specifically maximize trade fairs? Because there are a lot of trade fairs, right? But I feel as though you have yeah. to be very clear about your agenda when you go to these trade fairs. It's like going to a conference, right? Why am I going? Exactly. What do I aim to get? You know, am I going there to make these very specific connections? Like, I think you have to have an agenda, no? When you, when you get involved in these trade fairs. And yes, you things. do. So what, can you shed some light on that as well? Like, what, what should we be doing when we go to these trade fairs? Uh, first things first, you have to have a proper strategy in place mm. based on what you want to communicate to your buyers. Now, if I sell body lotions mm. and the value proposition of my body lotions, it's a silky feel on the skin. I should mm. be able to have designed a testing, you know, an, an interesting and innovative uh, testing stand mm-hmm. that allows people feel what I, what my value proposition is. Mm. If people can't feel what my value proposition is, they're not going to understand exactly why they should buy my product. Right. So it's very, it's very important to have an experiential um, uh, uh, strategy in place for people to be able to communicate. You know, there's, there's something we call emotional branding. Mm. Uh, people would always relate with a product on an emotional level. Mm. In, it's, in fact, they will relate with a brand, not a product, because people don't buy products. People buy brands. Mm. So mm-hmm. the brand is the, the message we are not putting on. It's the message we are not saying directly. It's how you make them feel that mm. is the brand. The product is something that they need to solve a problem, but the brand is how they feel. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. people will buy a brand, yeah. they would buy any product. Right. Yep. They yeah. will buy any product, but they will be consistent with a brand mm. because of how you made them feel. And the only way for people to experience your brand is at physical events like trade fairs. Okay. Okay. But do trade fairs, they don't work for every kind of startup. It depends obviously on the industry you're in, right? Or can it work for any startup? What, what is your take on that? I, I, I would say that trade fairs work for any, any startup. Now, there are trade fairs in different industries. 
Gotcha. Okay. There are trade fairs, yes. There are trade shows, there are trade fairs in different kinds of industries. So it's, it, all, it, it comes back to, again, people understanding exactly what their brand is about, who mm. their brand is for. When you mm. understand what your brand is about and who your brand is for, you're able to design a strategy that um, allows you align only with events, products, solutions that are directly targeted at who your brand speaks to. Mm. Okay. You understand? So understand. if I'm going to a trade fair that doesn't allow me, if, if, if I want to, how do I even put it? If I sell mechanical equipment, I can't go to a general trade fair that sells food items. Right, right, of course. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay, got it. Okay, so we, let me see, let me recap where we are. So the first thing is, what is, what is your position in your local market? Make sure you maximize your own market first yes. before you branch mm -hmm. out. The second thing mm -hmm. is to uh, maximize trade fairs, right? You need to market, yes. you need to advertise, have a clear strategy, know how to communicate your brand, etc. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then, yes. what ne and what next? What do we do next? Um. Mm, to be honest, at this point, it depends. It now depends on the product itself. Okay. Okay. It depends on the what what kind of product itself. But the next thing usually is establishing distribution channels. Right. You know, but the kind of product it is will determine what kind of distribution channels you want to establish. Okay. Right. Okay. Now, the thing is, though, when you're entering new markets, you're also dealing with different cultures and different languages and, and, and sort of different, different cultures, different people perceive products in different ways. So can you speak mm -hmm. to that a little bit as well? How, how do you navigate that process? Uh, so that's where the role of market research comes in before okay. you launch. Okay. Uh, so, um, apart from my business, I do uh, personal consultation services in this kind of things because uh, my company would not does not handle consultations. It would only handle trade facilitation. But uh, as as a, for my personal brand, I help uh, do all this market research. Mm -hmm. The market research would help with understanding the cultural differences, right? Understanding how the people in the market reason. Mm -hmm. You know, understanding um, communications, how they, there are certain cultures that um, commune, that have certain things that are unique to them. They have a way that they look at things. They have a way that they reason. You, mm -hmm. you know, there was a time we were trying to put uh, an interior design, um, an interior designer was trying to uh, open up store in, in, um, in the northern states of Nigeria. And mm -hmm. she wanted to create a dining table. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, her, she was trying to position. And unfortunately for her, she didn't realize that the, the Northern people eat together. They eat on the floor. Mm. Uh -huh. okay. right. So you're going to sell them a dining table. <laughs> like <laughs> You don't understand their culture. You know, you're coming to sell them a dining table. And this is in so, one country. This is just in one country. Exactly. So, this yeah, is in yeah. one country. Yeah. So this is, I mean, talk less of if you have to deal with people from other countries that you don't even know. 
So mm. with every country, there are different tribes, there are different, that's, that's usually the role of market research. That's why you have market research because there are different tribes, there are different um, uh, 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 ideologies, there are different cultures, there are different you know, ways that people look at things. If you come into Lagos, Lagos is a diversified um, city. We yeah. have people from different tribes here in Lagos. But I would always say, if you, if you, if you sell designer wares, you target the, there's a certain tribe here called the Yoruba, target mm -hmm. the Yoruba people because they are, I categorize them under, you know, a section called aspirers. Mm -hmm. They are very driven by status, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, labels, uh, okay. validation okay okay uh-huh so mm. when you understand that you know how to target you know the language to use they, they have their lingua francas mm. they have their little um uh you know side side talks they have their little those are the things that now goes into your uh advertising communication right because you have understood the culture so mm. all the cultural difference can all be identified when you have a proper market research done. Yeah. What about going to the, the country, actually going there in person and just talking to people and trying to, I mean, I know there's, there's market research, which is like, you know, the questionnaires and all of that, but could you just go into, into a country and get a feel of the people, what they're like, look at what they do, like just generally? Or like yes, it... well, we who do the market research, we uh -huh. do the travels. More, I so see. to say, I okay. do. I like. To, I do a lot of travels. I like uh, to experience other people's cultures. Right. I like to understand what makes them big, and that's why I can offer that as a as a service, you know. But even you as an individual, yes, you can go. It's very important that you go there. You understand how these people reason, you mm. know. I never used to understand the Congolese and the Francophones until I started visiting their country. And mm. I understood that, that, you know, if I was to establish a business in this country, I will establish a beer parlor because mm. there are people who like enjoyment. And I, mm. no market research would have told me that. Right. Had, it was something I had to go there myself and I understood who they were. They're right. very laid back. They like to enjoy their lives very much. So these are the kind of people that you you know you sell um, beers or or beverage beverage options for them. They really like they like they call it soirees. They love soirees a lot. They love yeah, yeah. you know mm. you know. But that there's no market research that will tell you that mm. you know that's available online. No, but when you go into the country, you know in the eve once it's five p.m. you begin to see. There are people just sitting down somewhere. There are people who just go and sit down. You know, they like like they like live music. They like they like to drink their beer. They like and you know, it's, we call it enjoyment. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So yes, uh, to your question, yes, it's very important that if you are able to travel yourself, you should and immerse yourself in the culture. Don't sit in, you know, in the hotel. Go to the local market. These are places where you meet the average people. Go yeah. into the local markets. Go to their local churches, if there are, just to understand the way that they reason, understand the things that make them think. Mm. When you talk, when you mentioned uh, the market research that you do, so your market research covers, I guess it's very, it, it's, it's exhausts everything, right? You're looking at the political climate. You're looking at, culture, social, everything when you do your market research. Yes. Okay. So, yes, how? Market, my market research covers all of that. Um, okay. Everything that allows the product 
to enter that market. So what about, yes. what about the competition? How well acquainted should we get with the competition in that new market? Okay, so now that's a very, that's another tricky aspect. <laughs> you must understand, it's very tricky because um, I still do a lot of studies, a lot of schoolwork. And mm -hmm. uh, in one of my uh, courses yesterday, uh, this was the same question. So, it, or rather it was a similar question, but it had to do with competition. Yeah, and, um, the competition I, might I eat you. <laughs> the, the truth is, the truth is the competition you're going to meet there is already mm. established in that market. Exactly. So exactly. what are you bringing new to the table? What new thing are you bringing to the table? Mm. Mm. This is where, you know, that you're, you, uh, communicating your value proposition comes in. Mm. Mm. And your branding. If, if, and all you know, that. Yeah. Yes. Communicating your market, your value proposition, very important because if, if, if there's 10 people um, offering one service or offering one product, I would like to know why I should buy from you. Mm -hmm. So if you have not communicated what you sell, I can't, and you have to be able to communicate it in a language that I understand. True. Right. The language of, of the people in that country, whatever that language yes. is. And then there's language in language because there's sort of the, the common language, but I feel like there's a cultural and social language too which sometimes isn't yes spoken. like the lingua franca and yeah and like not said, spoken. exactly exactly and you have to kind of tap into that too and if you don't do that very well yes. then like you said what are you bringing that to the table that is unique how are you differentiating what, how are you differentiating so it's a differentiation differentiating factor and if people like i said now that's another area where experiential uh, marketing comes in Mm -hmm. Because if people cannot experience your brand, they will never understand your value proposition. They mm. need to be able to experience it. That's the only thing that gives you, you know, a, stand, a standing chance side to side with your competitors. Right, right, right. And I guess this goes back to your first point, which is make sure that you've dominated your own market. Because like you said, uh -huh. <laughs> the same way you're going to go and try to enter somebody else's market, they've already dominated that market to make it more difficult. They've dominated their markets. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like, so this is a serious commitment entering a new market. It can't just be something that you take lightly. Because I imagine this whole process, it, it takes a long time. It takes a long time, doesn't it? Of course it? it does. Yeah. Of course it does. It takes a, a real long time. Of course it does. Um, I mean, that I will not say that there's a set time for it, mm -hmm. but I would say that people, no, no, I always advise clients, don't be in a hurry. Because mm. the, the, it can take you up to one year to build a network, to build a market share, to build um uh, what's it called now top of mind awareness mm. it can take you at least the first one year because another thing is uh if if you if you do not have a proper established distribution channel mm. the the consumers cannot meet you cannot um they they don't have access to your products yeah, yeah. so having having a distribution channel is key because if i if i'm selling Let's, uh, for example, if I sell a toothpaste mm -hmm. and I only bring my toothpaste to the trade fair, people experience my toothpaste at the trade fair and they like it. Yeah. Where do they buy it from? 
I say, oh no, you have to import it only from my country. No. Mm. They need to be able to know that if they go into their local supermarket, they'll find that toothpaste there. Right. Right. But what about, because um, I, I see some companies do this as well, they partner as a way to enter a new market. What about if you partner with, with a local company that your services complement theirs? Is that a good strategy as well? Yeah, so that's what I was explaining to you, that distribution channels has different different options. You can partner, yeah. you can merge, right. you yeah. can do a franchise, you can get a, right. an agent. It, mm. it has different channels, so you'd have to pick one. Uh, it's actually less expensive mm -hmm. when you partner. Right. You know, the partnership and merger are considered very less expensive because the only mm. disadvantage is that uh, your 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 partner company has access to your business uh, um, information, and, right? You know, but it, it's less expensive for you as as a product manufacturer because there's some there's some there's some of some of the distribution channels which you would have to handle the promotion of your own products. They mm. would only carry it, but you would handle the promotion. Ooh, I would. I would think promotional. That might be difficult, mm. no? That might be hard. Uh, no, it, no? It, the, you would have handle the promotion in perhaps you're paying for it. It's oh, just hard. paying for it. Okay, okay, okay. I yeah. thought you meant like developing the whole thing, the whole strategy and promoting everything yourself. Uh, well, they would advise on the, what strategy to use, but you okay. have to handle it financially. You have it. to pay for all of that. Yes, because they're not going to carry a brand that you're not, you're not marketing. It's going to take up space in their store. Most mm. of the big uh, departmental stores, especially in Europe, that's what they do. They will take your brand as a stockist, you know, mm -hmm. but you would handle the promotion. Mm. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So what about exit strategies? Should we, should we have one? Uh, I guess it's a fallback. What kind plan. of exit? <laughs> well, that's the thing. You enter and then maybe at some point you decide you want to leave. I mean, almost like a contingency plan. Is that a good idea? I mean, you enter thinking uh, you're going to be there forever, right? But mm. maybe, maybe you get there and it's, it's not what you expected or I don't know. So many different things could happen. Different, of course, different things could happen. Well, uh, you, we always have companies who come and go. Yeah. So there's, there's really no exit strategy you just pack up no. and go as far as i'm concerned you just pack up and go okay okay <laughs> you just pack up and go when you're ready i mean you you only you knows where uh you alone know wh which parts where it hurts to be honest yeah. so you would have to decide uh which which ones you want to start to cut off first you mm. know if you want to gradually pull out or yeah. you want to inform your stakeholders and then you want to pull out. Maybe you mm -hmm. want to pull out if you were manufacturing in that country and it's not cost effective for you, you can take your manufacturing back to your home country and only export to the distributors in that country or only export to, you know, an, a, 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 a wholesaler or, mm -hmm. you know, you would have to see which, which, way, which way you want to exit really. Yeah, I think it's important to remember that there could be success, but there can also be failure. Because we see when what happens when a lot of big companies try to enter countries like China, for example, and mm. they fail. <laughs> 
because they don't understand the market <laughs> or because I, I feel like everybody wants to get into China because it's such a big country, but a lot of companies fail to do that very well. Well, I mean, I don't know why people, I, I've never looked at China as a place you want to go into because as mm. far as I'm concerned, China is, China is, you know, China has a lot going on. So mm. what, what can you possibly go and offer them? Mm. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say that. And also, um, you know, China is like, they've, they've, the Chinese have got their own things. <laughs> You know, like people, a lot of yes. foreigners don't understand that every Western thing, China has their equivalent. So that's, they, that's don't, the thing. they don't necessarily, uh, they produce everything for themselves. I mean, when... For like, themselves. Yeah. I mean, the biggest success story for, for a global brand entering China has been Starbucks. Like Starbucks has done really well in China. But so many companies have come here and failed because they just have their own thing and they protect their own companies and... It's, it's quite difficult. And a lot of people don't know the language. And language is a big barrier when you're entering. Language is a big barrier in China. Language yeah. is a massive barrier in China. And uh, learning because, Chinese uh, is not like learning French. <laughs> it's a whole other ballgame, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. You know, with the writing and everything, very different things. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, that, that's an interesting perspective. And it's a refreshing one because a, a lot of people are always saying, yeah, they want to enter China, they want to enter China. And I'm just like, why? You know? <laughs> <laughs> because I see, I, I don't know, I think people look at the numbers here and they yeah. think that Even somehow... in Nigeria, that's what they do. They yeah. look at the numbers. The yeah. only reason why they would succeed in Nigeria is because Nigeria doesn't really produce... Um, uh, let's say Nigeria is a third world country. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's easy for you to bring your items and it looks like a big deal to us here. Mm. But in China, that produces all their own things. Mm -hmm. What can you possibly give them? Okay, okay. so it's, 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 it's easier for you to enter the Nigerian market because um, we are not, we're third world and mm. um, we don't mm. really, whatever you bring from the Western world is innovative solution for us here. Mm. But in China, where they produce all their stuff, <laughs> that may be very, uh, very difficult because they yeah. understand what they're doing. They produce for themselves and they produce for the world. <laughs> they exactly. Yeah. So yeah. if they produce for the world, I mean, why would you think that they would need you? They produce for the world, though. Why would yeah. someone else think that they need you to come to, to, you know, to produce from wherever you're producing from and bring it to them? They're not yeah. going to have that. It's easy for Starbucks to dominate in China simply because um, now everyone would drink coffee. Mm. Everyone will drink coffee. And mm. um, uh, Starbucks has a, it's an easy to go brand. So their experience, and that's another thing that comes back to experience. Mm -hmm. Starbucks, not just, they don't just sell coffee. They sell experiences. They do. They do. Yep. Yep. And because I tell people all the time, Starbucks coffee is absolute rubbish. Nobody goes there really for the coffee. It's this whole idea that they've it's created the around the experience, you know, yes. like, for example, in China, people socialize a lot with their families. You can take your whole family into Starbucks, you know, um, if you go to fast food restaurants here in China, they tend to be set up like restaurants, not even like really fast like food because, not because like of the family. Shop. Yeah. So it's, 
it's it's a completely different experience. Another company that has done well here is IKEA. IKEA and IKEA is an experience too. You know, when you enter an IKEA shop, uh-huh. the way the store is set up, like everything about IKEA is an experience, and they've done well here too. So, it, some companies do really well here. But going going back to the the, the startup thing, I feel I, I really 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 agree with you with with your point on saturating your own market. I think sometimes I think it's great to scale, and I think it's great to want to go beyond. But sometimes you just have to be dominate your own market it's okay to be a, a big fish in your own pond in a small pond you know first yes it also helps you understand what makes your market tick yeah it gives you a very clear understanding of what you are doing why yeah. your market is the way that it is yeah and i mean gives the, you a very clear understanding there's there's something to be said for just delivering a, a high value product to your own people and just doing good for your own people first and then doing it really, really well and then saying, okay, now I want to duplicate that elsewhere. I respect that. Exactly. I respect that. I respect that. Perfect. So Juliet, what yeah. final lessons from your experience generally would you like to, to share with us? Lessons learned. Um, Hmm. There's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. You have so much knowledge. My goodness. So much. Ah, thank you. So many gems. <laughs> so many gems shared in this, in this episode. Yeah, for sure. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, so experience learned. Um, I didn't understand the value of asking for help mm. earlier mm-hmm. on in my career. You know, mm. I didn't understand the value of um, seeking a coach, um, mm. you know, clarity, having clarity sessions, mm. um, on understanding what path you go on, understanding purpose. Mm. It's very important as a business person that you have identified your purpose in, in life. It mm. will help you understand the value that you bring to that business that you run. Okay. It's very important yeah so that's one lesson learned mm-hmm. uh the second lesson is please do not do business for survival do business to make an impact whatever mm-hmm. business that you run mm-hmm. create it mm-hmm. to make an impact first of all not for survival because yeah. when you run businesses for survival it's like you're ripping the ecosystem off mm. at some point it can't hold off anymore Right. You know, we're just going round in circles. Yeah. So that's the second lesson. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else? What else? Yeah, I think those are. I think those are my two major lessons. To be honest, you know, yeah. whatever businesses you run, I'm very particular about it. Run them on purpose mm-hmm. and run them for I am adding value. Yeah. Don't run them for survival. Yeah. Don't be a survival entrepreneur. <laughs> exactly yeah that's a good way have to some put it, in, have some don't, impact don't be a survival entrepreneur yeah, yeah. Mean, because the truth is for you to be able to uh, pivot even in a time of a crisis mm-hmm. you are if you had a business that was driven by a clearly defined purpose and vision you yeah. would pivot naturally you yeah. would know what next yeah you would know the your content the content you communicate you will understand what what your content are but if you're running that business for survival Mm. once that survival 
uh, means has been caught. Mm. You are stranded. Yeah. Yeah. And this goes back to alignment, right? If you're, if you know your purpose and you have clear goals and just in your own life, you have clear goals, you know your why, you know what you want to do. That should be aligned. Yeah. That should be aligned with whatever problem you're solving, whatever business you're building, and then you can have that impact. Otherwise it's just, it's meaningless, isn't it? It is. It really is. Honestly, like you're going around in circles. It really is. You know, uh, I, 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 human beings are very spiritual beings. So there's a lot of things that go on the energy that you emit, mm. you know, but once your energy is that of love, love will always produce what love will produce, which is solutions, which mm. is um, value. Love will always, once your energy is that of love, love will produce these things. And when love produces this, you're able to impact more than when, you know, your energy is just struggle and you're contemplating, you know, you're just trying to make the next income. Yeah. Yep. And you, you give that off too. Like people know when you're just struggling and you, and you, you, you don't have things in order and you just seem really out of it. Yes, your 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 the energy. It's an energy thing. I, when I started understanding the way that energy fields work, mm-hmm. you know, I I learned how to consciously adjust myself. It's the energy you give off. Yeah. It's every every human body is like is like you know a body of of energy. So when you give it off, it can go. It, it's like it, it's like rays or water waves. It yeah. just spreads. You know, but when you're at peace, when you're solemn, it's a bit more different. Your output is different. Your communication is different. Do you think sometimes a lot of uh, entrepreneurs who are building their companies, they, that's something that they ignore because they're just in this mode of building, building, doing, doing that they don't really think in that way? Do you, have you experienced that a lot? Yes, yes. It, a lot of people have that especially when you live in a third world country like i do Mm. you're trying to survive Mm -hmm. so everything you do is based on survival yeah it's it's not the right way to do to live it's not the right way to run an economy but it just happens the reality it happens yeah so i in fact i started writing newsletters to ceos my target Mm. audience was ceos and everything i write about is uh, uh, purpose, purpose-driven leadership, yeah. you know, and you know. So I write on this kind of things. Are you running your business on survival mode? Because mm. if you're running your business on survival mode, I can tell. Yeah, yeah. Is your news is is your newsletter well received by those CEOs? Yes. Well, That's I started. Good. I only started last week, and um, oh. <laughs> and oh wow! I and the first one I sent out. Oh my lord! I had so much. Oh, the the responses were overwhelming. Like. People sending me messages. Oh, thank you so much. Someone even sent me a message that this came at the right time for him uh, mm. because it, it was like I was just saying to you. Because like I said, everyone here, a lot of people here are just trying to survive. So yeah. when you're trying to survive, you're not thinking of the next thing. But the mm. truth is you need to get out of that survival mode. Yeah. You need to get out of it. And it's, and it's also, we're trying to survive because, you know, um here the the basic amenities are not available so everyone is like all man for himself so mm-hmm. to speak mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and, and, and people can happens, become really ruthless you know 
And I know, like I started watching a series called um, The Hundred, mm-hmm. and I was so uncomfortable watching that that series. But yeah. I I sat down there watching it because I wanted to understand. It was about people who, you know, it was about survival of the human race, the things mm-hmm. you do to survive, you know, how ruthless you can become because you want to survive. Mm. People are very ruthless mm. when it comes to survival mode. Like here, even driving on the road, on the motorway, you find people who just want to kick you off the road. They have zero <laughs> I'm telling you. Rage. The, the rage. Oh, God. <sighs> oh, my Lord. Yeah. You know, but it's the survival mode. It's the survival mode. It's, it's that survival mode. And so it's very easy for you to, um, if your business is driven by survival, it's very easy for you to lose sight. And then when it happens like that, if anything happens, you know, like there's a global, global crisis like this, the stock market crashes, you, you, can, you can slip into depression. Mm. Because everything you have done over the years is based on survival. So once that survival is not there anymore, you can easily slip into depression. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's, there's a part of me that gets that because when you live in a country where the electricity is always going or the Wi-Fi is always cutting off, mm-hmm. the internet is really mm-hmm. bad, you, you know, your job isn't stable, your income isn't stable. It's, it, the, it's all, of these, all the confluence of all of these factors that combine that make you behave like this. If this, if the exactly the structure were different and the the situation were different, you would behave differently. So there's a part you of me that, differently. yeah, there's a part of me that feels like it's almost unfair to say don't be in survival mode because that's just the nature of the environment. So, but at the same time, I agree with you because I know that if you're in survival mode, you're not really going to have impact. So then, how? How do, you, how do you bridge that little gap? How do you get people to, to go from survival mode when they're living in an environment where that is essentially what they have to do? You have, Joanne, the truth mm. is you have to find your own peace. Mm. You just have to find your own peace. Honestly. Mm. You know, because if you keep at it, if you keep at it. So I would say something to you. Uh, when I started selling, uh, I started importation um, in six years ago, okay. the exchange rate was 200 naira to $1. Okay. And wow. today, the exchange rate is 480 naira to $1. That is, oh, yes. So that's times two, the exchange rate in six, within six years. Mm. And mm. nobody, you know, that means that has impacted on your capital. So yep. all the funds that you're supposed to keep aside to run your business, you have put it back into stocking. Mm. Mm. Yep. Yep. Wow. These are serious challenges though. These are the kind of challenges that, that people are dealing with every day in yes. across the developing world. It's really hard. It's really, really hard. But if you, if you allow them run you, they will mm. run you to the ground. So, at some point, I'm very easy to let go of, you know, business um, uh, structures that are not working. Right. You have to be able to condition your mind at that, to that stage that, look, if this is not working, I better let it go. Because if you're going to stay on it, you will keep investing, you will run yourself down, you will go into depression, you will, mm-hmm. you know, feel like a failure. Yeah. So yeah. at some point, just if it's, when, when count your losses 
and let it go before it drains you. It's very mm. mentally draining. Mm, mm, yeah. And then you, we always hear about, you know, people who are always working in their business instead of on the business. So, well, yeah, sometimes they don't have a choice. Like, yeah. you know, like, we, like I said before, you, if you don't have the right information or the right kind of education to certain things, or the tools. if you don't you have need the, to know the tools, yes, the if, tools. if you don't have the, if you don't even have the resources. So, so a lot of businesses in Nigeria, they, they don't start up with capital. Right. There's no capital base. There are no investors that will fund your business here. Mm. They're very limited. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. So, you know, people, people start up, and again, because you're trying to survive, you will just start with the little you can. So mm. there, there's no set out capital base that you say, okay, this would act as a floating capital for my business for the next three months. People don't have that kind of luxury here in third mm. world countries. Right, right. You know, a bank will give you a facility and, um, and they don't give you any moratorium on that facility. Mm. So if you, take, if you take a facility this month, next month you have to start paying back. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. These are the real challenges that people are dealing with. For sure, for yes. sure, for sure. But despite all of that, people are still entering new markets. So it's okay. <laughs> Yeah, because they need to expand their market. Because yeah, so that's the thing. They need to expand. If it's to expand their income, they need to expand their 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 sales volume. They mm. need to expand what yes, how much items they sell. They sell. Some people are doing it to expand their sales volume. Other people are doing it to expand their reach. Mm. So there there are different there are different reasons why people want to enter new markets. Some people have financial challenges and they just want to sell more to be able to meet up with their uh, cost of living. Other Especially people if the are, currency is stronger in the other country as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. While other people just want to expand their reach. You know, mm -hmm. a, a company like Starbucks, they want to expand their reach. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's for the sure. first priority. And then yeah. they know that when they expand the reach, it will give them income. But for someone who is struggling, the person is not thinking of reach the person is thinking of sales sales volume right 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 well this has been a fantastic conversation i learned a lot <laughs> i learned a lot in a short Thank period of time much. yeah so juliet where can we find you where can people for example you mentioned the is this an email that you send or a newsletter to the ceos or or is it something yeah, that you put it's a newsletter Oh, okay. It's so where can, where can we find you? Where can we sign up to, to get all of your knowledge on a regular basis? Okay. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. I, I recently started to use LinkedIn and I really am enjoying it. Yeah. So you yes, post a lot. I'm there. always reading your posts. I'm always <laughs> checking out your posts. Your posts are pretty awesome. Yeah. Thank you. They're uh, relevant, you, you know, on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yes. In for my industry, there I, I I try to keep that. Now that, that that's another thing about defining purpose. So yeah. when you know what you're meant to do, you're able to draw content that um fit into that purpose. Yeah, so sure. uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Juliet Upabio Archibong. Uh, Juliet and then U K P A B I O, A R C H I B O N G. You can okay. also find me on Instagram uh, at Juliet Means Business. Yeah. Uh, then you, I, I've got a website as well. And you're on Twitter because I follow you on Twitter. I follow you on Twitter at Juliet Means. Yes, but 
yeah, 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 uh, yeah, Twitter, Twitter, yeah, but uh, I haven't, I haven't figured out that Twitter, you know, uh, nobody has, business. nobody has, nobody has. <laughs> <laughs> you were gonna say so your I'm, website? I'm just there. What's your website? Uh, the website is www.julietmeansbusiness.com. Perfect. And I'm going to put all of that in the, in the details so that people can, can you. find you and yes, yeah, yeah, you can find me and sign I up had, I, hold, I hold, I hold, I, I do, I, uh, I hold a, a keynote speaking engagements. I also hold uh, coaching sessions for uh, SMEs uh, who want to product communication or brand communication coaching sessions, you know, how to sell, uh, the the la- sales language, so to speak, and then I have consultation uh, slots also available for booking. Nice. Okay, so you you work with startups, right, Juliet? So if someone wanted to reach out to you, they could, right? Yes, yes, they, they can. Uh, well, I work with startups in the capacity of brand definition okay. and uh, brand marketing strategies. Okay, brilliant. Awesome. Okay, Juliet, thank you so much for giving us your time. It has been an absolute pleasure. I enjoyed all the gems that you shared. And I'm already following you on Instagram, not Instagram. I'm already following on LinkedIn and everywhere else. I follow follow you on LinkedIn for sure. I'm always looking at your stuff. So I'm being enlightened. (laughs) So thank you so much. And that's all, folks. I hope you learned as much as I did. And until next time, bye for now. Bye, Joanne. Bye. Hey there, Rare Ones. I hope you enjoyed listening into this week's conversation. The Rare Birds podcast is available for listen across all major platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Anchor, and several more. Please share our conversations with your friends. Don't forget to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can do so by opting in on our homepage of our website, www.rarebirdshq.com. The weekly newsletter provides analysis and data around the topics explored in our weekly conversations. Lastly, I would love your feedback and spend way too much time on Twitter. My handle is included in the notes section of each episode. Tweet me your thoughts, ideas, opinions, and feedback because I'm always looking for ways to improve my craft. If you absolutely love what you heard, then rate us on your favorite podcast platform. See you next week for more conversation. Bye for now.